Welcome to Fly on the Wall, a podcast where you have the opportunity to listen in on a live coaching conversation. Please make sure to like and subscribe. And now for today's episode. How's everything else going? How was Sunday for you? Sunday was awesome. It was a great day. Uh, really um, amazing. Um, we are um, campus pastor spoke, which is really cool. So she did a really great job. Yeah, Jackie. And she it was just a she brought a powerful word. It was really good leading up to Easter. So um, yeah, it was a great Sunday. Our attendance was was a little bit better so than the previous sure. week. It was great. Yep. So um, yeah, it seems like we've get, we're getting some momentum. I think the thrift store opening had maybe a, just a little bit to do with that too. So which is really great. So um, yeah, that's great, man. Well, let's dive into some coaching, man. How can I serve you today? And what do you want to tackle? Yeah, I think. Um, I think right now, Chris, with, you know, what a lot of churches are going through, we are certainly experiencing ourselves. And that is like trying to find leaders and like staff members in leadership and ministry. And, uh, you know, with the entire great resignation that's taking place and everything that's happening with that, it's just like, I know a lot of churches uh, that, that, that I know of, and uh, we personally like are trying to find, you know, who we're going to get for staff members. Right. right, right. Um, and so whether well, it seems like there's a little bit of leadership crisis. And so what we've been able to find though, is like people in our community that, don't have ministry experience, but feel called to full-time ministry. And so in fact, that recently happened with our kids pastors who was in uh, her mid twenties, she was in uh, her education degree, uh, found out about this opportunity and had really felt like the Lord calling her in ministry. So my question to you is, is what is the best place to start training somebody on your staff who hasn't had any ministry experience and, uh, and that, but yet feels called, what's the best place to start with somebody like that? Well, so if I'm hearing you right, you're saying a, a staff member who doesn't have ministry experience, but they're on your staff. That's right. Yes, that's right. Okay. I think there's a, well, a couple of thoughts. Um, one would be, uh, it's a, it's a great, great thought process, but one would be, um, deciding, first of all, and I'm not saying it's for you, I'm saying for anybody that's even watching this, our, po our, our podcast today is you, first thing, you have to decide what is the criteria to be on your staff. Uh, okay. So I think that's, I, again, uh, because you're saying, hey, I got a ministry staff member that maybe doesn't have a lot of experience. So I think mm -hmm. number one is what level does the person have to be at? What's the criteria to be on the staff at Church X? Uh, is it, you know, that they have to have experience, don't have to have experience? Do they have to, you know, what, what's their character like? There's got to be a clear criteria because what, what I think that we have to create environments where people are growing and they're developing but it's, it's almost like this. It's almost like uh, my, my, my son's friend uh, got drafted and started this week as an angel in right field, Jose. And uh, in his first game, he hit two doubles, you know, and so he's, he's doing great. Now, you, they interview the coach and the coach is like, yeah, we're excited for Jose. We think he's going to be a key player for the future and he, he's going to grow. He's going to grow. There's no doubt. It's his first week in the MLB. He's going to grow and become a better player but he already has to be at a certain level to even get on the field. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one thing that we have to consider. It's like, what does that level look like to get on the field at our church as a staff member? Then as it pertains to once they're on that field, um, man, there has to be a methodical 
process by which we develop these leaders and cause them to become greater. The one thing that they have to possess, uh, Kevin, they have to possess a desire to grow and develop. Um, if they're coming, if they're at that staff higher level leader process, I got to know that they're getting coaching. I got to know that they're on the phone at least mm -hmm. once a month, that they're in a cohort with a bunch of other pastors that are children's pastors or worship pastors or whatever. Right. They're getting the coaching. They're getting the, the help. They're getting the, the growth. If they're not getting that, that's a, or they're not seeking that, that's a, that's a pretty big issue. Uh, and so I want right. to know that I'm investing them. I'm going through books with them. I'm helping them. But I also want to know that they're getting help on the outside because uh, in the corporate world, they call that a career path. What does year one look like? Year two look like? Year three look like? What should you know in right. year one, year two? What should you be able to do? What skills should have been developed? Mm -hmm. um, those are some of the things that cross my mind. But it comes down to their desire uh, when they're right. on the staff. Are they hungry? Do they want to learn? Do they want to grow? Do they want to develop? You know as well as I know. Dude, you can literally throw coaching at someone that you know needs it, and they don't ever take it. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So. so what you're saying is teachability is like is like the foundation of, should be like the, the foundation of somebody coming on staff then. Is that right? I, I think foundationally, absolutely. Uh, 100%. Yeah. Teachability. Uh, teachability, desire, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, want to grow, want to develop. I'll take that all day long, dude. Give me someone that just wants to grow, wants to develop, you know, kind of keeps messing up a little bit, but dude, they're yeah. trying, man. They're reading every book. They're getting all the teaching they can. Yeah. Teachability is definitely one humility. You know, I love what uh, Brad Lominick talks about in his book H3. You know, you gotta be mm -hmm. hungry, humble, and hustle. Right. I love those. You gotta be hungry to go get some answers, humble enough right. that you realize you don't have them and you right. better hustle. Uh, mm -hmm. to be able to figure out how to learn and grow and develop. And I do think those are, those are some of the things I do think that we let people join a high level leadership in our team without really realizing, do they have the hungry, humble hustle? Are they teachable? Like you said, foundationally, right. we let them in right. and then we get frustrated at them. Right. In reality, right. we're the ones that had them join the team. That's right. <laughs> what are we yeah. frustrated at them for? Yeah. <laughs> they're just yeah. being them. Right. They're not, they're not being anything less than what we hired. They're just being them. And we're frustrated at them. Reality is we should be frustrated at ourselves thinking should have never brought this person on the team. Uh, uh, and that's what you, I mean, you, you suggested a great book when we first started our coaching experience, the ideal team player. And in there, they talk about defining what those staff attributes are. And that's what we've been able to do. And that has been so incredibly helpful. Yeah. Identify. Yeah. Identifying that sort of almost a checklist or you and I have talked about traffic lights. Like what are right. the five things of your service or before you launch something else, you know, what, what are the things that got to be green lights? What are yellow lights? What are red lights? Green lights being it's a go. Same thing with a staff member. Okay. What are the green lights for that staff member? You know, before you even, or a high level leader, even if it's a high level leader volunteer, like, right. like you know, what's, you know, what are the five things that they better possess? Because if they don't, you'll right. get frustrated at them. And right. they'll ultimately get frustrated. Then you got to ask them to leave. <laughs> like it's just yeah, right? it's a mess. 
So knowing, knowing that up front, and, and then I will tack one more in there. And I think, you know, I've talked about it before, but just in case uh, that when you bring someone in that high level leadership team, have those four or five, six things that they have to meet, but also have a very clear document that's titled what it's like to work for Kevin Foster. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh man. That like, like for mine, it's like, you better return text on the same day. You better return emails. You better return calls. Don't show up late to meet. Those are like pet peeves of mine. So instead of your staff member figuring it out in six months, like, wow, Kevin really gets irritated by this. Just tell him up front. Right. (laughs) What is it like to work for Kevin Foster? So, yeah. Yeah, it's really great. So along that lines, you know, because we're we've experienced some growth during the pandemic, which has been great, you know. Um, And it feels like we're moving from a more of a mid-sized church to a more of a larger sized church and all the challenges that come with that, right? And that's one of the challenges, leadership for sure. Um, But what would you sense, Chris, as you are, you have the opportunity to see at a high level through many different churches, what are some of the biggest challenges moving from a mid-sized church to a larger church, other than the leadership development component for staff, which I just mentioned. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, I would... I would say what separates, I would, I would guess I would probably rephrase that to kind of what separates leaders that lead up here to leaders that mm-hmm. maybe don't quite lead up there. Um, mm-hmm. One is there is, an, um, I have noticed, here's what I've noticed. Mm-hmm. There is a relentless uh, pursuit of getting the highest level leaders on your team. Right. There's a relentless pursuit. So it's more than just leadership. We already talked about that. But the pursuit of a relentless pursuit of I'm getting high level leaders on my team. Um, Right. That's one thing. Second thing is I've noticed that um, I've noticed that that uh, they become extremely mission critical. Mm -hmm. They become very, very focused on on. what they do. So in other words, it's like, I'm not doing all this anymore. There's only three, you and I talked about this before. There's only three or four things I do. Uh, There's three, four very mission critical things where I need to be putting 60 to 70% of my time. I've noticed Mm -hmm. if I look at it, I have noticed um, those two things step out the most. One is, man, they, they just pursue getting great leaders around them. Number two is they get insanely mission critical. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not doing 40 things. They're doing three or four things really, really well. You know, it's, right. it's the whole in and out Jack in the box, you know, <laughs> you know in right. and out hamburgers, right. you know, is always packed and Jack in the box, not always packed. Well, that's because Jack in the box right. is serving Chinese food, Japanese food and tacos and everything else. And in and out's just like, <laughs> this is all we do, but we do it yeah. really well. I think yeah. Kevin, you got to get to a point where it's like, man, I, I, I got to get the best leaders on my team to go to the next level because they're the ones that are going to take you there. You'll never go farther than the three or four people around you. And secondly, I've got, I and the three or four people around me have got to get in super mission critical. Like what, where do we spend most of our time? Um, That I've noticed with higher level leaders, I've noticed not, I've noticed with higher level leaders, not so much what they do, but how, how very few things they do, but they do them very, very well. They're very laser focused. 
Yeah. So how do you, and I totally agree with that, like on a practical level, like that it's, that's going to be probably a little painful at first. Right. So how do you, how do you accomplish that to get to that point where, you know, myself and then the top two or three leaders around me are on those three to four things that are mission critical. Like, what does that transition look like? Yeah, that uh, I love. I love what you said. Painful because <laughs> everybody I talked to was like, "Here's why it's painful. It's painful um, because once you start, you and the top three or four people list everything you do in a week, a month, a, a year, whatever. Like from preparing messages to sending emails to doing quarterly reports to picking up donuts on Sunday morning. Like everything you do." When you start figuring out all the programs you're doing and all the things where your hand touches, you start to, it gets painful for a couple of reasons. One, because you have to start letting go of things that you really like doing. That's hard. You have to let, then secondly, you have to let go of things that have manufactured energy, not natural energy. And, but even though they have manufactured energy and not natural energy, in other words, it's a program. It doesn't really go good at the church. It doesn't have natural energy, but I don't like doing it. But boy, if we stop that, these 15 people are going to get all upset at me and they're related to 30 other people. And this could be a, this could be a bad thing. The pain comes um, from what it's going to do. The backlash you might get, the pain comes from the fact that you might like it and you might like enjoying it. But I do think you have to list out everything you do and then start to realize like, Okay, top three or four things I need to do. So here's what I always say. Take your buckets, what are the top three or four things you need to do, and then put the activities under it. Then the activities that don't fit under those three lanes or buckets, what are you going to do with those things? You eliminate, delegate, or automate. You have to do something with those, with those areas. And it is very painful because you got to give up stuff other people like, and you have to give up stuff that you like. And not everybody is willing to do that. Here's what I always say. Your ability to go to the next level will always come down to two things. Your willingness to change and your tolerance of pain. Your ability to go to the next level will come down to your willingness to change and your tolerance of pain. Because it will come with it. And, but I'm telling you, you can't go to this level and stay down here picking up donuts and trying to run some program in a church of 500 where eight men show up to a pancake breakfast. Like there's certain things you right. gotta be like, I gotta give that up. And not only yeah. do I have to give it up, we gotta stop it all together. And it's right. Right. very painful. Yeah. Right. That's so good, Chris. I really appreciate your thoughts. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk right now about the doom and gloom of the future of the church, you know, post pandemic. And we know a lot of churches aren't back to hundred percent yet of attendance yep. of what they were. And a lot of people are saying like, Oh, we'll never come back, you know? And so, and even there's lots of uh, people raising issues about deconstruction with the church saying how the church is going to look different and everything. And, um, and I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts for this last few moments that we had together. What do you see for the future of the church? Yeah, man, that's a great, man, that's a great question. Uh, I think a lot of people are circling around that. Um, I, I think that what we've been through is nothing a Bible college prepares you for. Um, it's nothing that nobody, I think the last one was 130 years ago. So nobody alive on the planet has ever gone through it <clears throat> currently. Uh, and it's unique. Um, 
in no particular order. I have a lot, I have some thoughts on that. I, I do think for a lot of churches, you know, that church boom does an initiative called church rescue. Uh, when we do one with you, you guys, uh, where we rescue churches that are dying. And in 2019, America lost over 10,000 churches. And I think the <laughs> 2020, 21, the numbers haven't come in yet. I can't imagine what it's going to be like, but here's what I do know. I think crisis speeds up failure. So the church was probably already suffering and it just kind of sped it up. Um, what I do think that we learned from it or, or what the church ends up looking like, I don't think the church is ever going to go away. I think Jesus said, I'll build my church. And I, 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 I do think if we're not careful, we'll become a European nation. And what I mean by that is not too Christian oriented. We're headed there. I don't think anybody, I don't know if anybody's realizing the sleeping giant about it because we're losing so many churches, but, um, I would say that, um, another thing I would say is that talking about pre pandemic probably needs to come to an end, you know? Um, and so I don't know if you're muted or not, uh, Kevin, but I, I can't hear you on this side. Uh, but, um, yeah, no, nobody help. Nobody help. You're muted. It's okay. I just didn't know. But, uh, I think some people on the, um, I think some people still kind of go in that pre-pandemic world of like, uh, man, we used to have a thousand, now we have 600, you know, and we're still coming back. It's like, I think you need to draw a line in the sand and say, this is who we are today. We're a church sure. of 600, we're not a church of a thousand, or we're a church of 200, yeah. we're not a church of 300. Uh, right. I think you have to be honest about that. I do think that um, what has changed over the last few years is that, and I think pandemic just exposed it, I think people want to belong before they believe. So mm -hmm. engaging people quicker, I think, has become a big thing. Uh, mm -hmm. Engaging people into the life of the church. I think people view it as they come as more of just belonging to it rather than believing it. But we do need to get them in. We need to get them to be a part of it. We have to engage people faster because right. they check out our church and um, they won't be around long enough if we don't put a, their foot into the cement of our church. That's um, but I do, I do think, uh, you know, um, <clears throat> I think online presence has become uh, important uh, more than ever. Uh, I'm not against online church, but I am a huge fan of being with people. I think we're meant to be together. We're meant to be in yeah. something else. I think yeah. someone that just says, I'm just going to do online forever. And they're healthy enough to got, not be online. I get it. If you're yeah. hospitalized or whatever, whatever, whatever it is, I get it. Uh, online is great, you know, uh, uh, for a lot of reasons, but if you're healthy enough, you need to be in church yeah. um, for sure. Well, but it's I so do, crazy. Yeah. You know, we just opened our thrift store, right? Just a couple yeah. days ago. I saw a couple come into the thrift store on Friday and they went up right up to me and said, hey, pastor, how's it going? And I have never seen him in my life. And they said, hey, we, we know you don't know us, but you know, you're our pastor. We've been watching you for the last two years. Wow. And I said, really? They said, we haven't been to your church yet, but, um, but we, but we want to come eventually. We just don't feel comfortable yet enough to come, but we right. want to come. But we just want to let you engage. We heard you open the thrift store. We wanted to be a part of it. So, so I mean, um, and that's just like ministry. Like what you said earlier, like Bible college doesn't prep you for that, man. <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah, yeah. it's so different right now. It so. is, it is. And I, the, the, the one I, it is totally what I would tack onto that is your online service has become your new front door. It really does. I, I, yeah. 
people need to be with the body of Christ. There's no doubt about it. I get, and I am all for having quality online uh, and I'm all for it. I say, do it. There's people you're going to reach. You'll never reach. There's countries you'll never reach or states you'll never reach. There's things you can do online. Uh, and I think it needs to be right. Um, uh, I do think people ultimately, I want to, I think they need to be with the body of Christ, but it is, it is an, it has shown us that we have an opportunity to be global but it's also shown us that we have an opportunity to reach people we'd never reach, and it has become the new front door. I talk to people all the time. I watched you guys for a month. I watched you for a year. I watched you for six months, and I finally showed up to church. Well, what they were really doing was they were checking out our front door before they walked into it. And That's right. if you're a pastor and you're like, yeah, we just set up a camera and do whatever, it's like, yeah, you might want to do a little bit better than that because sure. uh, it is the front door of your church, and it's how people are judging you before they even visit your site, your campus. That's right. And so yeah. it is important. So I think things have changed. I think I think this this pandemic has caused us to realize how important online is, how powerful mm -hmm. it is, and how we can utilize it to grow the physical church as well, that it is a front door. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's exposed weaknesses. Um, mm -hmm. here's, here's one thing. Let me tell you one more thing I think it's exposed is uh, with the little time that we got left here is I don't know about you, Kevin, but I've, I've felt convicted in this way. Mm -hmm. Here's why. I think some people have not come back because let's say they were going to our church. I watch this. They were going to our church a year before the pandemic, 18 months. Well, we may have unintentionally developed believers. Maybe that would come to our church for a year or two or three before the pandemic. They, they, we develop these believers that their only tie to their Christianity was their church attendance. Their whole faith was right. wrapped up in church attendance. It wasn't wrapped up in their generosity, their serving, their small group, their tribe, their this, their that. It wasn't wrapped up in all that. It was only wrapped up in their faith or um, their right. faith was only wrapped up in their church attendance. Now watch this. When their church attendance was torn away, so was their faith. Yeah. yeah. And I... And I think if we're honest for some of the people, maybe haven't come back because they're still not comfortable. Some of them are never going to come back. And it would, I think it would be not honest of us to say, well, part of the reason some of them haven't come back is maybe for some of them, we developed their Christianity and their faith only on their church attendance. And when that was taken away, so was everything else. Yeah. Rather, yeah. Than, to, rather than getting them engaged quicker to serving in groups and getting them plugged into the tribe. They just mm -hmm. came twice a month for the last year. Then it was taken away. And then now it's not that important to them anymore. Well, that's, that's right. because there was only one tie to their faith and that was church attendance. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. You know, and it could it be, and this is what you and I've talked before, the lack of churches having structure and systems in place to move people from one step to the next step Yes. I think we're seeing the, the tragedy of that happening in most churches post-pandemic, whereas before it was kind of a band-aid because we could just put on a good show and that would keep people entertained for a while. But now that we've not engaged people, now we're seeing the results of that. Yep. Yep. And I think engagement over attendance. I keep Absolutely. telling everybody, you just get your team, get your team to say, hey, we're going to we're going to get 15 new volunteers every single month. Let's all work on it or whatever the number of sizes right. of churches. Yeah. Engagement will ultimately produce 
the attendance and it will produce the volunteers. You focus on attendance, I think it's, um, I think you're gonna lose that way. I think you have to focus on engagement over attendance, but it's this, this whole season has, I think there's been a lot of lessons, you know? Yeah. I'll tell you one thing that's blown me, blown me away is uh, uh, people's, uh, the amount of people's fear uh, has been incredible to me. Um, I've always, I've been blown away how fast we, we, we get ourselves into fear mm-hmm. um, and how fast we can be influenced to go a different way uh, mm-hmm. because of fear and how much fear can control us. And that's why the local churches need to be strong because we can combat, we can combat that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And one thing I I would really like what you're doing with church boom and these coaching is because you have a positive view, man, we have some challenges, the local church we've never had before. And that's why I think I feel so connected to what you're doing is because, um, you know, Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, right? No matter what, even though the gates of hell will try to prevail against it, it won't. And you have that same type of fire mentality. And, and I know we all have challenges as churches, but, uh, and it may look different. It may be different, but you know, nothing's going to stop the church of God from moving forward. Nope. 100%. I couldn't have said it better, man. That's uh, encouragement. Last encouragement is let's keep moving forward, brother, because you know, uh, let's get focused. It takes work, it takes process, it takes systems, it takes strategy, it takes getting mission critical, it takes getting laser focused. Um, we got to engage people quicker, but hey, you know, we serve an amazing king um, and, uh, and he, is, uh, he is strong and powerful and mighty and uh, we yeah. can go after it. And I think, I believe over the next few years that if we can just get refocused, re-engaged, get laser focused, Man, I think that we can come back stronger than ever before. Why not? That's yeah, just the kind of right. guy we serve. So, yeah, man. Well, dude, hey, I need to jump on the next call, but always great talking Thank with you, Kevin. Sure to appreciate you, buddy. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate okay. it, man. Have a good day, right. man. Yep. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for stopping by today. We hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and to be on the lookout for more podcasts from Fly on the Wall. See you next time.